0: The scripture this morning is 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8-14. through 14. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. With the help of Silas, who I regard as a faithful brother, I have written to you briefly, encouraging you and testifying that this is the true grace of God. Stand fast in it. She who is in Babylon, chosen together with you, sends you her greetings, and so does my son, Mark. Greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to all of you who are in Christ. Thank you, Lord, for your word.
1: Amen, thank you, Kay, for reading that for us. And I just want to uh, tell you that I am not Pastor Steve, but I do have a beard, uh, and so I'm a brother in Christ uh, with him. And I do want to welcome all of you uh, worshiping online and here uh, with us today. And I want to tell you that uh, Steve asked me to preach a few weeks ago, and he gave me the scripture because it's part of this sermon series on 1 Peter. And it just happened that I got the part to preach about the devil. How many times have you heard a sermon on the devil? And I, I immediately thought of the Charlie Daniels song, you know, The Devil Went Down to Georgia. And I thought, eh, maybe we could know But But. Uh, Uh, I'm not going to fiddle for you up here or anything like that, but I'm sure you would enjoy that. Maybe you can think of that song while I'm preaching here today. But uh, while preparing for this message today, I ran across a story in the Old Testament that either I had forgotten about, because I've read through the Bible, or I just forgot about it. I don't know, or I didn't read it. I skipped over it. But it's in the book of 2 Kings... And this story is about the prophet Elisha and the time that the evil king Aram set out to kill the prophet. In the sixth chapter of 2 Kings, we find this story, and it pertains directly to our theme today about fighting against evil forces. Now, the reason that the evil king Aram wanted Elisha dead was that God would reveal to Elisha the plans and the strategies of Aram, and then Elisha would tell those plans and strategies to the king of Israel. So you can imagine then, the king of Israel uses this knowledge to defeat Aram in battle after battle. And so evil king Aram was determined to do away with Elisha. Aram's raids against Israel would never succeed as long as Elisha prophesied. And so Elisha just had to go. But Elisha had been proved to be elusive. The king of Aram had never been able to trap him, and he was becoming more and more frustrated. The only way to defeat Israel, it seemed at least to him, was to treat Elisha like the threat he was. And so Aram gathered his army. One bright sunny morning, the servant of Elisha rose and went outside to view the surroundings in the city and he saw what amazed and shocked him because surrounding the city were hundreds, maybe even thousands of warriors, horses, and chariots. They came to the city with one goal in mind, kill the prophet who was sleeping soundly inside. The servant rushed back to Elisha to rouse him from his sleep. And when Elisha got up and shook the cobwebs out of his head, he uttered one of the strangest statements you can find in the Bible. He said this, he said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than are with them. Now, Elisha's servant must have thought he was mad or something. His prophecies may have been great, but his math was horrible. These two men were completely encircled by a vast army of professional killers, each one zealous to satisfy the command of an evil king. The prophet and his attendant were preparing for breakfast, not for war. If ever a situation seemed hopeless, this was it. And yet Elisha calmly assured the young man that the two of them had the upper hand. Now as we read further along in the story and as it unfolds we see what Elisha meant. He prayed to God that his servant's eyes would be opened And when the attendant's eyes saw the usually unseen world, he was amazed. You know what he saw? Behind evil King Aram's army, standing on the hills surrounding the city, were horses and chariots of fire, God's heavenly forces ready to fight supernaturally for the servants of God. You see, for a moment, the invisible became visible, and it was incredible. Now this story in the Old Testament reminded me that we are in the middle of an invisible war. We are, we just don't see it. There are forces of good and forces of evil fighting for us and fighting against us every day. And just because we don't see these warriors doesn't mean that they're not there. It just means we don't see them. The assurance that Elisha gave to his servant is the same assurance that we need to remember today, maybe just put a little different way. I found in the book of 1 John, chapter 4, verse 4, the scripture verse that the disciple John says, Greater is he. Who is in the world, or is in you, than he who is in the world. Could you say that with me? Greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. This is the message I'm going to come back to time and again in this, in this message today. And, and I the message that I want you to take home. So when the person at home says, well, what was the sermon about today? You can at least answer with that verse. I want to start today with the first verse of today's scripture reading, which was verse 8 of 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter tells us, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Now, this first verse tells us that we have an adversary who is seeking to destroy us just as the evil King Aram sent his army out to destroy Elisha. Now, the first part of verse eight says, to be alert and to be of sober mind. I think to me, this means that we are supposed to take the devil seriously. We're in the midst of a spiritual battle and we need to take this spiritual battle seriously, not because we don't know the outcome of the war. Jesus has defeated the devil and all of his demons with his death on the cross, with his resurrection from the grave. And can I get an amen from somebody out here on that, right? Amen to that. So we know that Jesus has won the war. What I'm talking about today is the spiritual battle that still goes on, not for the victory, but for your soul. You see, what the devil really wants is to pick off as many Christians as he can or non-Christians, but it really delights him when he can pick off a Christian to believe in the lie that he wants to tell us, to lead us down the path of destruction and corruption and evil, to turn our backs onto God. Author and pastor Chip Ingram says in his book, which is called The Invisible War, what every believer needs to know about Satan, demons, and spiritual warfare, that the war has already been won. He says, as Christians, we don't fight spiritual battles for the victory, we fight spiritual battles from the victory. What we're fighting for in the spiritual battle is the battle for our soul. You see, it's when we relax And we think, you know what? Jesus has already won the ultimate victory over sin, death, and the devil. That's when we don't take Satan seriously. And that's right the moment that we are open to being devoured by sin, death, and the devil. We need to be alert. We need to be sober. We need to take this spiritual battle for our souls seriously. And you see, that, I think, is one of the problems, is we just don't take the devil seriously. Very seriously today. As I stated at the beginning, I don't know if I heard maybe half a dozen sermons in my lifetime on the devil, right? We tend to discount that. One of the strategies of the devil is deception. Satan deceives us into thinking that, you know, the devil's not so bad. It's just this guy running around with a pitchfork, right? Now, the devil's not more powerful than God. In fact, the devil is not even equal to God. The devil was created by God originally. But I'll tell you this, the devil is more powerful than I am, more powerful than anybody out here. And if you think you can go up against the devil and win, boy, you might have a surprise coming. Think about it. When I talk about the devil, what comes to your mind? Well, if you're as old as I am, which some of you in here are, You might remember the comedian that was on TV, Flip Wilson, remember him? And his catchphrase was, the devil made me do it, right? And even earlier than that, all of us were entertained on on television by Samantha the Witch in Bewitched. Now, the context of that show was a traditional family situation. There's nothing startling or offensive in the storylines, In fact, they usually even contain some kind of moral lesson for us. But the fact that there were witches and warlocks and an entire world of unseen supernatural beings, we chalked up as fantasy. After all, we said to ourselves, this is just entertainment. And things have just grown from there. 30 years ago, in the 1990s, we watched a supernaturally gifted high school girl who could vanquish dark demonic entities of the underworld in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And we were also entertained by an attractive trio of witches in the TV show called Charmed. But our interest in the dark side doesn't end with television. Many of us were fascinated first with the Harry Potter books and then with all the Harry Potter movies Even the internet has become a storehouse of resources for occult practices with blogs, with online gaming, with Pinterest boards and tutorials on YouTube. Our culture seems to be fascinated with the ultimate conflict between good and evil, not only in its outward manifestations, but also in the dynamics of the underworld, the spiritual beings who who inhabit it. And I would be the first one to tell you that the way the invisible world is represented in these various forms of entertainment is nothing more than that, just fantasy. But I would also be the first one to tell you as a pastor that the reality from which these fantasies arise is rock-solid biblical truth. Now, whether gifted students can slay vampires or not is not a scriptural question, but whether evil exists and interact with human history is answered emphatically in the Bible, and the answer is yes. There is evil in the world. And the devil is sneaking around like a roaring lion just waiting to devour you. The basic truth that we need to agree on before we go any further is that there is an invisible world that's just as real as the visible world. But there's also assurance for us because greater is he who is in who is in you than he who is in the world. Now, the next verse in 1 Peter tells us what we're supposed to do once we're alert and we take seriously the wiles of the devil. Let's look at verse 9. It says, resist him, the devil. Stand firm in the faith because you know the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. So it says when we take the devil seriously, we're told what to do, to resist him. And one way to resist our foe, our enemy, is to respect him but not to fear him. Let me say that again. We can resist Satan by respecting him, but not fearing him. Satan has already been defeated by Jesus. As long as we stay in Christ and respect the devil and his demons, we will not be snatched away. Now, we should not be preoccupied either with Satan. That's another strategy of the devil, anything to get our minds off of God, and and so we don't want to be preoccupied and think about it all the time, but we also don't want to take Satan lightly. We don't want to put thoughts of him up on the shelf or in the closet, and we only think about it on Sundays every once in a while when a preacher talks about the devil. Our time and attention should be preoccupied with God. Now, we can also resist him by being aware of his many strategies. I think this is important. Think about professional football teams who win their conference championship and they get to play in the Super Bowl. Now, they don't spend the next two weeks just laying around enjoying their just rewards. They spend hours and hours in the film room studying all the habits, the tendencies, the strategies of their opponent. They spend hours on the practice field, working out how to defeat these strategies. They prepare themselves for the battle to come. We need to do the same thing. That's one way that we can resist the devil, is to know, be aware of his strategies. And I think one way we can learn his strategies is by looking at the names that he's given in the Bible. One of the words that are given one title is satan satan means adversary in other words satan opposes god's agenda he works against god's plans he violates god's character he assaults people he makes it a point to just get in the way have you ever had that experience where you're you're trying to take time to read the bible you're trying to pray, but all of a sudden your mind is flooded with other things, or there's things that come up that have to take your attention away from God? Have you ever thought that might be a strategy of Satan to divert your attention away from God? The word devil means one who slanders. In other words, somebody that spreads gossip or rumors about somebody else. One of his schemes is to say false things about people and ruin their reputations. He loves to stir up false witnesses and juicy gossip in order to discredit a servant of God. And I think that's why the Bible says that we're not supposed to engage in gossip because all we're doing is assisting the devil in slandering somebody else. Maybe you, like me, have had this actually happen to you. There's also Lucifer. We find that title in the Bible. Lucifer means son of the morning or shining one. This was the name of the angel when God created him to be the best angel of all. This means that that Lucifer is not going to be coming to you transparently ugly, or scary saying hey look at me I'm the devil I've got a pitchfork you know it's not gonna come that way you'll be seeing someone who will appear beautiful and winsome you'll be attracted to his agenda because he'll dress it up and he'll seduce you with it be cautious of those who try to use their beauty to sway you into doing things that you know are sinful And we don't do those sinful things all at one time. It's one little thing that we do. It's not the first time you look at someone that you're not married to or engaged to or promised to. It's not that first look at someone. It's the second look. It's the third look. It's taking that next and next and next steps. Another name that I first heard when I was teaching English for sophomores in high school was the name Beelzebub. Beelzebub is another name for the devil, and it means Lord of the Flies. We were reading that book called Lord of the Flies. And that is the description of Beelzebub, who was a pagan idol that was supposed to protect you from swarms of flies. And, And Jews understood this idol to be the Lord of filth that's what attracts flies, swarms of flies, is filth. So where there is filth in the world, there's probably Beelzebub. Here's one that I hadn't heard of uh, other than uh, researching for this topic, and that's uh, Belial, B-E-L-I-A-L. I hadn't heard of that. But apparently that is the name of a false god. And it aptly describes another strategy of the devil, anything that Satan can do to, to divert worship from God and direct it to himself that's what he'll try and so sometimes we have programs we have activities that interfere with our worship time now I remember as, as you know many of you remember when Sunday was reserved for worship of God but now it's filled with lots of other activities including work and sports and, and other entertainment that we can do or for some people, I've heard them tell me as a pastor, they say this, you know, Sunday is that time that I just need to relax and read the paper, right? And I say, I thought Sunday was supposed to be the time you worship God. Satan is also called the evil one. Now this phrase in Greek, I don't know what the phrase is, but this word is the word that means absolute corruption. In the earliest version of what we call the Lord's Prayer, the ending of it was different than the ending we have now. Now we have kind of softened up the ending. We say, deliver us from evil, kind of a generic, vague, you know, evil, whatever that is. But originally, and more pointedly, and I think more correctly, it was, deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from total, absolute corruption. Satan will do anything that he can to corrupt us, to make things as evil as possible. I think that's why human trafficking continues. I think that's why school shootings still occur. I think that's why terrorists behead people and distribute the video through social media. Horrible, terrible things. Evil is on display around the world because of the evil one. Satan is also in the Bible called the tempter. He tempted Jesus in in the desert. And the tempter will exploit our perfectly good desires and entice us to fulfill them with artificial means. You know, God's given us a lot of good gifts to use on earth, right? Some examples would be food, rest, sex, ambition, work, and what The tempter does is he takes those good gifts from God. He distorts and gives us twisted variations of those things that are far from the will of God. It looks like it could be good, but it really isn't. Another name and strategy is the name the prince of this world. That's the name for, for the devil, the prince of this world. The prince of this world is a master of false systems. In fact, he crafts entire schools of thought that suck us in and then destroy us. An example of this is he's working to create an image of what is attractive for young girls, convincing them that if they don't look like that model on the cover of Cosmopolitan magazine, then they're not worth very much. He has a system where he's convinced guys that they need to have ripped abs and a chiseled physique to be cool, to be accepted by others. And all of this so that they'll become self-absorbed. If you're self-absorbed, then you're not thinking or focusing on God, but you're focusing on yourself. Or they take steroids and they ruin their health. The prince of this world has convinced millions that until they get a certain kind of watch to wear, a luxury car to drive to their beach house, then they haven't really succeeded yet. He's behind false religions, false philosophies, false doctrine, false morality, and every system of thought that cannot lead anyone to God. It leads people away from God. He's infiltrated governments, economies, educational institutions, anything that has an influence In the world and one of the first things that happens is the removal of anything godly from those institutions now for many Christians this last name I think could even be the worst he's called the accuser of the brethren in other words Satan will condemn you he's going to point out your sins to you the sins that God paid for in blood on the cross the sins that God has already forgiven you for, but he's going to point these sins out to you and do it every single day, multiple times in a day. He's going to whisper in your ear, just like Leah talked about in in her children's time, and tell you, you're a terrible Christian. You're a bad dad. You're a no-good wife. You're nothing but a worthless human being. Satan will whisper all of these things in your ear every day. And friends, if you hear that voice, know that it does not come from God. Now, one assurance that we have is the last part of verse 9 where it said that We can take solace and comfort in knowing that there's a whole family of believers throughout the whole world who are also suffering in the same way. So you're not alone in your suffering, these attacks by the invisible unseen world, the world of the devil and demons. But you know, we can also take assurance in the words of John who said, greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. The third point I want to make today is found in verse 10 of 1 Peter. It tells us how we're going to defeat Satan in this battle. Let's look at that verse. It says, And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and and steadfast. Now, what I see in this verse is that it is God who will win the battle, not us. In fact, it's not even our job to fight the battle. We're not called to fight the devil or demons. It's God who will restore us and make us strong. We need to call upon the name of God to claim the victory. Our job is to resist the devil, to stand firm in the faith. You know, I've always found it interesting whenever I've read the book of Ephesians or preached on the book of Ephesians, that in chapter 6, when it talks about the armor of God, you're probably familiar with that, Paul tells us to put on the whole armor of God. He says, "'For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood.'" but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness. And then Paul describes the parts of the armor of God to protect against the devil. He says there's the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the shoes of the gospel, the helmet of salvation, the shield of faith. And if you think about it, all of these parts of the armor are for defensive purposes. They're not offensive weapons to attack in a battle. They're to protect us. The only offensive part of this armor is the sword of the Spirit. And if you look in the Bible, that word Spirit is with a uppercase S, a capital S. That means it's the Holy Spirit. It's God who's going to use the sword to fight the battles and win. What we need to do is call upon the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit to fight those battles. It's God who will restore us through the Holy Spirit. It's God who will win the battle with the devil. Now, unfortunately, demonic influence is not a foreign concept for many Christians. In fact, you might have felt a sense of, evil or the devil or demons. I often tell people I don't believe in ghosts, but I do believe in demons. And I really think that there is something happening. There's a battle going on that that we have a gut feeling about, but we just don't see it right in front of us, but we know it's happening. Something is causing bad things to happen to me, to other people around the world. And many people have discerned that there is some level of demonic influence in their life or in the lives of other people. But you know, recognizing this influence is just the first step. The biggest question that most people have is, is what can I do about this? How can I stand firm in the faith? How can I resist the devil? How can I invite God into my life to restore me and make me strong? Well, I think the first thing is we need to have a good general understanding of the gospel. What I mean by that is an understanding that Jesus Christ as God came down to earth for the sole purpose of winning our souls to him by taking our punishment on the cross to die for our sins, that he rose from the grave to show that he has won the victory over sin, over death, over the devil, right? We need to know that gospel story and share it with other people to live our lives according to that biblical truth. And then we need to know that the victory over these things is in the name of Christ. We need to use the name of Christ. We're not supposed to fight these battles. We can't defeat the devil. But Christ can and has. So in the name of Jesus Christ, I renounce the devil. In the name of Jesus Christ, I claim the victory through the sword of the Holy Spirit. You see, there's nothing the devil can do against that power. But when we try just on our own to do it, we'll be defeated every time. The disciples and the early church experienced the power of Jesus' name on a regular basis. You need to get in a habit, a regular habit, of calling on the name of Jesus Christ to claim that victory, that victory by the power of the Holy Spirit. And I think our memory verse sums this all up very nicely. Can we just say it together here at the end? Greater is he who is in you than he you. is in the world. Let us pray. Lord, sometimes it's very discouraging to try to make headway in this world. It seems like there's so many obstacles in front of us, some that we put there ourselves, but many times that the strategy of Satan, of the devil, of his demons, that just gets in our way, or sometimes people spread rumors and slanderous things. Sometimes Satan whispers in our ear those negative thoughts and messages trying to convince us that God doesn't really love us or that God isn't really powerful enough to turn us away from God. Lord, help us to resist him, to, to stand firm in the faith, to not rely on our own strength, but to rely on the strength and the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to use the name of Jesus Christ to renounce those forces of evil and to claim victory in his holy and precious name. All this we lift up in your name. Amen.